This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. I guess we better, we better we better add context for the new listeners. So Rich used yeah. to live just outside Coventry for a prolonged period of time. In Coventry as well, yeah. And yeah. Coventry kind of became his second team and he was very fond of them. No, and he, he bought multiple shirts and season yeah. review videos. And there were a couple of times he turned down going to Portman Road to go to, to the Rico and watch them. So, yeah, that's where this is coming from. Exactly right. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and welcome to the pre-match show brought to you in partnership with our friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. You can catch us every week, usually live um, on YouTube, but definitely on podcast after the fact. And joining me for the, we've already flagged it, Seb, uh, on the Millwall reaction. It's the Richard Woodward derby, isn't it? How are you, mate? I'm good. I wonder how many times I can say that this tonight before you just go nuts and start shouting at me. I mean, I can mute you. I can, you know, I've got the, I've got the host powers. I, I guess we better, we better, we better add context for the new listeners. So Rich used yeah. to live just outside Coventry for a prolonged Living period Coventry of time. In Coventry for a bit as well, yeah. And yeah. Coventry kind of became his second team and he was very fond of them no. and he bought multiple shirts and season yeah. review videos. And there were a couple of times he turned down going to Portman Road to go to, to the Rico and watch them. So, yeah, that's where this is coming from. Exactly right. Yeah. You're looking very. You're looking very milk tray tonight. Are you wearing a, like a I've got turtleneck? A, I've got a chunky... It's got. I've got a zip on there as well. Oh, uh, the yeah. mic hides the zip, right? I thought you were doing a yeah, kind of yeah, milk yeah. tray man kind of thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for those. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a special mention for everyone who's listening on podcast. Rich is <laughs> yeah. wearing chunky knitwear uh, that looks like the milk. No, it's it's and it's also navy blue. My lighting isn't good enough. Maybe. Uh, what what are you sporting there? Bit of a hoodie situation. I'm wearing the exact same Ipswich Town hoodie that I was wearing last night on the oh, Millwall reaction. Just powered so straight through. Prefer- it, there you go. Bought it a couple of years ago during lockdown. It's a very warm hoodie that is my comfort hoodie when I get home from work. Lovely, lovely and snug, which is you know what you need when you get to our advancing years. Um, We've obviously, well, mine advancing years. Yeah, so I lived in Coventry and Warwickshire for 13 years is the punchline of the story, but embellish it however you want. Last time out, said we were talking Millwall and um, anything that you forgot to mention or have thought of subsequently. I quite enjoyed the post from um, in a Millwall vlogger in the away end from Burns' yeah. shot that's gone viral. Like, bro, if and which is like, and then the second tier podcast guys kind of tweeted it like, 
how what it's like watching Ipswich this season. That was enjoyable. Anything else catch your eye? I, no, I'd encourage people to go back and listen to the the uh, the oh, post match show that's out there with with me and Mikey and you joining in kind of halfway through when you got up the hill. It was as we said last night, wasn't it? It was an incredibly impressive first half performance that was seen out professionally in the second half. It's the exact tonic we needed after the defeat to West Brom, and if we can follow it up with uh, with the three points against Coventry when West Brom can be totally put to bed and we're on six points from a three game week and still maintain that lovely healthy gap over Leeds yeah well we are, we are here to talk about Coventry that's the that's the substantive item so we'll get into that but there's some chunky games in the in the predictions as well this week as well so it's a really interesting time isn't it and we've obviously bigged up the run into Christmas but all of these teams that you know looked a little bit daunting all have to play each other including this weekend so it's really exciting at the moment and uh, yeah I loved it's, it's great to be at the punchy end of the table rather than looking downwards, isn't it? So Exactly. Um, Great to be involved yeah. rather than thinking, well, if we get a couple of people in January, we might be able to challenge for sixth maybe. You know, to have it this way around is, uh, is absolutely brilliant. Another thing that caught my eye after Millwall uh, is the desk, uh, what is it, dugout cam or something like that, where they film McKenna in the bench for the whole match. And for the third goal, when Davis crosses in, McKenna gestures in the header like I think most of us do when we see a header. He kind of nuts it, which is quite good. I like. Oh, that. I've missed this. Where, where's this for people like me who haven't seen it yet? Is it it's on, on Town TV or something? Yes. Have you got a Town TV? Town oh, TV no, subscription? I cancelled my subscription. Maybe I should yeah, reactivate well, that. That's, that's what you get. I'm, they might have put bits of it. I think they put a clip up. But yeah, the, for the third okay. goal, McKenna stoops in the header from the touchline in kind of yeah, kind of giving Broadhead mentally where he needs to be. You know, it's it's just like he's just prompting him telepathically, which is Jedi great. mind tricks. Exactly right. So yeah. Uh, apologies to those of you expecting a, li- a live show, uh, particularly on YouTube. Obviously, uh, logistics—it's the—it's a busy time of year, so we apologise for that. We also wanted to give a little bit of breathing space for the show that we did on Wednesday as well. So that's why we're not here on Thursday on in our usual Thursday spot. But we will return to Thursday as soon as possible. So I think we'll just—it's a bit more relaxed, Seb, isn't it? No, uh, no live chat, so we can just, just focus on giving as imparting as much knowledge and wisdom and slagging each other off as much as we can in terms of bits and pieces of news before we get into the meaty topic of Coventry worth drawing attention to ITFC women a lot of exciting stuff around uh, the women's team at the moment drawn against championship Lewis in the third round of the FA Cup that we played at home on the 10th of December and it's a kind of a, a double header of home games having had none for bloody ever two in December within a week of each other. The Portsmouth game is now being rearranged to the 17th of December. So big weekend for mm. Ipswich Town matches that obviously the East Anglian Derby on the Saturday and a top of the table clash for ITFC women on the Sunday. But this weekend, uh, the club are away at Billericay, um in Essex. So if you fancy a trip down the A12 uh, to a, a reunion with Maddie Biggs and Liv Smith potentially. And obviously there's players at Lewis as well, who we know, Anna Gray and Sarah Bracera Carrera as well. So lots of familiar faces there. Do, do head down. Um, but otherwise, yeah, next time out, 10th of December um, for Lewis in the FA Cup. Uh, also want to pay massive tribute and a huge thanks on behalf of everyone here at Blue Monday to Blue Wilson, who has decided to pursue opportunities outside of the game. Um, struggled um, with injury for a while, but has been doing rehab, working really hard, um, but you know um, has decided to pursue other opportunities. So on behalf of, on behalf of everyone, I'm sure, um, listening and, and watching, we wish her all the very best and, and, and 
certainly thank her for being part of our live event, our first live event at Portman Road last year as well, where she was a fantastic guest along with Joe Sheehan and, and Kieran Stanley. So all the best, Blue. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see her at the AGL at some point as well. So let's move on to Coventry, Seb. And last last week for... Um, West Brom, I basically stole all of your thunder. You kind of, you do a little bit of uh, a kind of a summary of the situation, and and I didn't read it, but I we basically Brilliant. repeated each other, didn't we? Well, I read all the detail. I leave right. you to come up with the narrative. That's fine. So I will let you summarise your thoughts on Coventry before you bat it back to me and say, tell us why you love Coventry so much, Rich. So, talk to us about Cov, Seb. Uh, very shortly, not doing as well as they did last season. It's probably the high. It's probably the summary, isn't it? You've summed up my text exactly, yeah. Not as good as last year. They finished fifth last year, obviously, and got to the playoff final before losing to Luton on uh, on penalties. And I guess, you know, any any side that struggles to go up, you're naturally going to become kind of the victims of your own success because you get the, the, the vultures, the bigger clubs, kind of clawing at your best assets and taking players off you. So we can quite often find it can be a bit of a, a settling down period. You know, you think after the, the Sheffield United defeat that we lost in the playoffs in Burley in 97, it took a while before we signed kind of John John Owen got going that season. There can be a bit of a betting in period where seasons kind of a slow to get going in, and I think that's what they're kind of finding this this year so far. They lost the two big players in the summer that we'll come on to talk about. Goals have been really hard to come by so far this season until the last couple of games or so. So there are signs that you know a corner is slowly being turned. I just think it's a bit of a playoff final kind of hangover. You know they've they've been an upwardly mobile, upwardly progressive side for the last few years, and I just think they are starting to turn that corner now. And I would certainly expect to finish higher in the table than they are now although I think they've obviously left themselves too much I think to, to, to gate crash the playoffs this year given the the strength of the teams they're going to be hunting down yeah it's definitely a, a lot of points to catch up as you say yeah um, relying on other people dropping points and it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen this championship season does it uh, lots of similar feels to um, Ipswich in 0405 when uh, Davis, Miller, Cucci move on, Ben m- moves on for a fee as well. But the, the difference is that Coventry have actually had money to spend a, a shed load of cash to yeah. spend for reinforcements. We'll talk about those arrivals, but maybe Seb, another headline is they haven't hit the ground running, have they? Any, any, I mean, had you right, we'll talk about started to score of, of late as well, but, but not really hit the heights of the players that have departed is probably a fair summary as well. But things do take time, don't they? You know, we'll discuss the kind of markets it's they're shopping in. The win- well, yeah, but when you're bringing in players from the continent, you know, the, these players do need a settling in period. You know, English football is is very different to the kind of maybe slower pace, less physical games that some of these players might be used to. So there's naturally going to be a bedding in period. Did dread, dare I use the word gel, as we heard so often a couple of years ago under, under Mr. Cook. You know, those kind of things do take time. And as I said, there are kind of signs things are starting to turn for them. But I think it was always natural to have this level of squad turnover and to lose two huge assets who were crucial for your goals and your assists last season to bring in replacements those replacements are always going to take a bit of time to bet in yeah it's fair to say that um the two players we'll we'll talk about them later on um were yeah critical as you said for the way they play talk to us about the situation in the league table as it stands then well, they found themselves 15th on 22 points, played 18, won 5, drawn 7, lost 6, scored 23 goals, conceded 21. The last 5 is a bit meh, 2 wins, 1 draw and 2 defeats. The wins were at home to Plymouth and away to Millwall. The draw was at home to Stoke and the defeats were away to Preston and at home to West Brom. Their away form is kind of average, so that's most crucial for them coming to Portman Road on the weekend. 8 points from 9 games, 1-2, drawn 2, lost 5, scored 13 on the road. So they do score goals on the road, uh, but conceded 14 as well, so they also concede a fair few. Uh, 
They had three straight defeats bef- uh, away from home before last weekend's victory at Millwall. So they weren't in great form before they went to, to Millwall last week. They're underperforming on their XG for all you XG fans out there. They've, they've scored 28 goals. Uh, sorry, 28 XG versus 23 goals scored. So goal scoring will become a common theme of this kind of an analysis. It's where they've been struggling in the early days of the season, given the players that departed and the players that came in, taking a while to settle down. Six clean sheets this season is decent. It's the joint fourth highest in the league. And they are quite an aging squad. It's the fifth oldest squad in the division with an average age of 26 years old. So do you think maybe it's kind of one last opportunity to kind of make a push for it? I guess that would have been their strategy in the summer. You know, go out, get some players in with the cash you've, you've bought in. One last go to keep this side kind of together before you have to maybe reinvigorate it with a with a sprinkle of youth. I guess that's how I kind of see it. Yeah, um... I don't, who's the old players in that squad, though? I guess that's what confuses me. I, I'd imagine there's a cluster of players around 27, 28, the majority yeah, of them. Peak, peak players. There's I guess, not the... players coming through. The, you know, there's a few, but maybe that's the issue because I am i can't think of too many over 30s in that squad. Um, but we'll drill into that later on. Uh, worth noting, you kind of talked about the goals on the road being pretty decent, but, but three of them were, were at Millwall. Um, before that, it was about a goal a game away from home, which isn't terrible. Uh, but yeah, that away form, uh, a little bit average, as you said. And yeah, and the, the two wins, though, you, that you talked about overall have come in the last two, though. So to your narrative of turning a corner, uh, that is fair. Albeit, we've we've seen Millwall firsthand, a little yeah. bit dysfunctional, a little bit of a team in transition. And similarly, Plymouth are maybe not the team they are at home, away from home. So that's a factor as well. And, and I think, we'll, well, should we talk more about that game? Because I think there's some controversy in it, but I also think it was maybe closer than it. Well, it's a 1-0 win, isn't it? It's still pretty close on paper, but I think it was a pretty tight affair. Did you watch the highlights? It, it, it wasn't a classic. I watched the... Uh, no, it looked it. Looked I watched the highlights of the game, game. and the, I think the first two highlights were, you know, shots going pretty much nowhere near the goal and I thought oh that's going to be the quality of the of the match it could be a long two minutes watching this and I think most of the reports are similar <laughs> afterwards it was a two minutes <laughs> it was a one nil win at home over Plymouth on, on Tuesday night there was controversy with the goal so had you right got the winner on 75 minutes it looked like the ball had fully crossed the line before being pulled back to him he kind of slams home from a a kind of Chaplin-esque position, shall we say, in the uh, in the penalty box. But it did, it did look like the ball's out of play. But we've seen recently, when you do bird's eye view on the balls, sometimes they can look to be slightly still over the line. So we'll leave that one to the officials. But certainly on first glance, my rudimentary eye did tell me it was out of uh, out of shot. Are you giggling because I said t- bird's eye view on the balls? Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> All right, okay. I saw I saw a smirk and presumed you'd you'd, you'd kind of let yourself go a little bit. I was going to say no. Well, I was on. thinking of something else actually. Um, okay, because because we're not live, we can kind of deviate as we see fit. I'm just mulling over the thought about um, the ball maybe going out of play, and I guess things that you could do to resolve that. So um, uh, it's been a while. So let's um, let's discuss it. those unfamiliar with our older features here in the pre-match show that's football room 101 theme Seb and I just wanted to get your thoughts on whether you'd be an advocate for VAR being used in the championship as a result of maybe the the injustice done to Plymouth on on midweek no not even one little bit I don't want it anywhere near me I do not like VAR I do not like anything about it I've not liked it since day one I would have goal line technology like with the uh, the watches that vibrate and that'll do me just fine thank you Thank you. Well, we'll stick with the watches and the vibrate. And that's all from this week's Football Room 101.
So moving us back on to uh, to more important matters, Seb. So yeah, a, a, a narrow win, and not without a little bit of controversy, a little bit of a, a lame game. But to be yeah. honest, uh, it's about the points, isn't it? At this point, if yeah. you're Coventry and turning that form around, uh, but they just can't seem to get that run together. Are you can are you? I mean, they're playing us next, so hopefully this isn't the beginning of a good run for them. But what's your sense about them? Are you seeing enough in the, in the two minutes of highlights to to think that, that this could go on a little bit longer? Not in that game, but their key players are starting to score goals now. So obviously, we I can't see them getting anything at Portland on Saturday. Personally, I think we'll I think we'll win that one to end off a pretty decent week for us after last night. Their inconsistency has been the killer for them all season. The, these two back to back victories are only the second time this season they've done that. Up right. until then, it was very much like us really in 2021, 2022 under Paul Cook. You know where we really struggled to win. I don't think we ever won three games on the bounce that season, did we? You know we'd win one, win two, and then suddenly you lose one again, and you kind of back where you started. And that's kind of been the story of their season. They've not not really been able to find any kind of form yet. We'll discuss the tactical change they've kind of bought in to try and rectify things, but until they can really nail down that consistency, you know, both home and away, that they're not going to be challenging the top six, which is why they find themselves also, you know, 15th. And up until recently, I mean, I think it was it three weeks ago, you and me were discussing, is Mark Robbins going to come under pressure at Ooh. some point? I think we were doing predictions and maybe discussing one of their early results earlier in November. And we said at some point, you know, if this, if this carries on, they were in a really bad way. And we, we, we were discussing pressure building on him. So they've got themselves away from that. But until they can sort out this kind of awful inconsistency in their in their play in their in their results, they're never going to challenge anything at the at the top of the table where they want to be. Obviously, yeah. We'll talk more, more about Mark Robbins and you know the relative success that he's had in his second spell at Coventry. I guess the thing is, last season we'll we'll talk about that now just for a second. I guess the question is whether it set a level of expectation for this season that they're not able to meet or whether last season was just an anomaly and you know enjoy the ride get the Wembley player final if you win it fantastic but otherwise um, I guess the money spent said makes it difficult for Mark Robbins to justify the the underperformance and you know we're, we're December now aren't we by the time this goes out um, I just wonder about that last season talk to us about that situation because we've got some stats about it later as well it's not like they were blowing teams away, having 70% possession. It was very functional, very much around the two players that we'll talk about in terms of the departures in a second. But nevertheless, a, a really decent season and they figured out a strategy to get themselves in the top six, didn't they? They did, yeah. Finished fifth with 70 points. 70 points sounds ridiculous for fifth. It's quite low, it? actually, isn't it? Yeah, when you when you think normally you're looking at kind of 75 for sixth upwards, I would suggest it does sound like it was a bit of a weekend. Also, they did get a bit lucky that the parachute sides messed it up so badly. You know, Watford, Norwich and West Brom all kind of really, really messed up last season. So they got a bit of a, a bit of an advantage there. They finished fifth, like I said, 70 points. Drew Middlesbrough in the playoff semis. They drew nil-nil at, uh, at the Rico. Is it still the Rico? I know it's No, the it's the CBS Arena. Drew nil nil at the CBS Arena and then beat them one nil uh, in the Riverside to uh, to get themselves a a showdown with Luton uh, at Wembley. Obviously. That finished a one-all draw, lost it 6-5 on penalties. So a really good season for them, but I guess that the heartbreak of a playoff final penalty shootout defeat has left this kind of, you know, this this kind of... I, when you say about the fans being you know, over expectations, I guess like you say, the second you start spending the kind of money they are spending, you, you go from being the plucky underdog to being one of the one of the big boys, don't you? Yeah, I, I, going into the last season, I don't think any... Uh, Sky Blue Sporter would expect a fifth place finish. You know, you you dream, you hope, don't you? And if you get on a run, then great. But no one would have kind of expected it, I, th I think, 
you know, given that they weren't, a, they were a League One team not too long ago. But yeah, we've had that or steady League progression. Two in the in the not too distant past as well. Yeah, exactly right. So I think that's a factor there. But yeah, just the the outlay I think has kind of merits more than what they're seeing at the moment. Perhaps I'm not suggesting that the fan base at all is impatient or has high expectations well, because they don't. Because you'd, you'd know being one. Exactly right. Well, and the, and the background against that is. You know where the club has been. We've talked about relegation down to League Two. We've, you know, the times are are changing in a, in a good way at Coventry because previously, under the the owner Sisu, it was just a spiral down the divisions. You know, victor from their home stadium, which you know I think looking back, people regret moving away from Highfield Road, albeit it needed, you know, modernising. Um, but it has been a really tough time to be a Coventry supporter. And now you've kind of got that, you know, the same kind of feeling that we have a little bit, you know, admittedly our ownership takeover uh, kind of precipitated the change in the upward trajectory we're seeing now. Whereas at Coventry, Mark Robbins performed miracles despite the owners. Um, so it is an interesting time at Coventry and everything still seems to be on more of a level footing. Now, Doug King, local businessman, is now the the, the majority owner. And it appears there more stability over this, the the CBS arena, although it's owned, I think, by Mike Ashley. So it's an interesting situation there with Coventry and and, and Mark Robbins as well. Uh, I think a lot of people focus on what he's done since he came in, but I I remember Russell Slade being in charge at Coventry. I'm sure not a lot of people re- remember that. There was a lot of a bit of conveyor belts of managers who just couldn't get the team working, certainly in the championship and they got relegated and certainly in League One, they couldn't bounce back and then spiraled even further in. Mark Robbins couldn't prevent that when he came in for the second time. But the first time around, um, he left them for Huddersfield on a pretty high. They were, they were doing pretty well in the championship and Mark Robbins' career tailed off massively at Huddersfield. I think he had a 30% odds win ratio there, only 68 games, I think left for Scunthorpe and didn't manage to do anything with them. And they were League One at the time. So when they both came together, Robbins and Coventry in 2017, it kind of felt both were kind of at the bottom of where they could be. And yeah. forward, five years there, but it's, it's a, 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 you have to give a huge amount of credit to Mark Robbins, you know, not, um, maybe not a name that would have been fancied by too many championship clubs back in 2017, but now uh, admitted this season is a little bit disappointing, but nevertheless, he's got a lot of uh, credit in the bank, hasn't he? Very much so. Yeah, like you say, it uh, kind of takes takes them over at their one of their lowest ebbs. You know, the, he, he can't prevent the relegation. Uh, and he takes over in March 2017, can't can't prevent the relegation. But ever since then, you know, he's kind of rebuilt things. And like I said earlier, they've been progressively upwards and progressively mobile. They've been trending in all the right directions, haven't they, since he took over pretty much. You know, he like I said, goes down in 2017 to League Two, uh, finishes sixth in League Two the following year, wins the playoffs that year to go back up to League One, eighth in League One his first season back. Back, wins League One on points per games in the COVID catastrophe. They were were not they? Yeah, as that we remember. Season. It wasn't a, f- yeah. you know, the points per game is unfortunate. I'm sure Marcus Evans has got memories of neg- trying to negotiate something different than points per game. Just let everyone keep playing. Polish the turn. That, that, that yeah. was our season. But we'll talk about their la- the last actual game that they played. But I remember watching them thinking, just well drilled, well organised a functional team that just were beating teams. You know, they were did really well in that season and probably would have won it regardless of the curtailment to the season, I think. 
I think so, yeah. They were strong towards that end period, weren't they? They, they, they didn't come up to the championship and finish 16th, uh, 12th the following season in 21-22, and obviously 5th last season. So like I say, it's been steady progression under him. His overall record is 336 games managed, 135 wins, 88 draws, 113 losses, which is 1.47 points per game. So yeah, fair, fair dues to him. He's, he's certainly turned it round and kind of repaired both his and the club's reputation, given they were at absolute rock bottom when he, when he went in there. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, certain people of a certain vintage will remember him as a, a pretty effective top tier striker for Man United, for Leicester and Rotherham. But sadly, Seb, he's he's tainted um, by having featured for Norwich. I think in the 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 team that might have participated in the UEFA Cup. So uh, he's he's got he's got some history, hasn't he? Uh, talking about the best team in East Anglia at the moment, at least uh, the record against us is uh, not great, is it? We've got the um, the upper hand, haven't we? We do have the advantage, yeah. 38 wins for us, 25 draws between the two sides and 25 Coventry wins. The last match against them was a 1-0 win for Coventry at Portman Road in March 2020. I think it was two weeks before the lockdown was initiated for COVID. Coventry went five points clear that night, top of the league, and extended their unbeaten run to 14. We lost our sixth game in eighth, having been top of the league, I think, only uh, uh, six, five weeks previously. Top of end of January, we were top of the league and we messed it up incredibly badly. There was the <laughs> Got awful defeat away to Blackpool, the defeat at home to Peterborough oh, in that run. It was a horrible time, wasn't it? We were there for yeah. that, weren't we? <laughs> we were. Do you remember Freddie Sears missing in the 90th minute and then winning it one minute later? Yeah, they went up the other end. I rem- also remember it. It was very windy that day, but it was bright blue skies for the whole afternoon. And then when we left, it was grey and absolutely <laughs> bloody miserable, wasn't it? Like yeah. Very typical of our of our position at that point in the in the table in our season. I also remember. Um, the love, bloody lovely um, away kit that Coventry had at that point, the third kit, the two-tone kit, um, loved that. And also Matt Godden, I think, scored the goal that day, and he's he still, yeah, he still got, there. Yeah, he did, yeah. He's still there. We'll discuss More him about him later. Yeah, the last time, the last win for Ipswich uh, was in February 2012, away at the, at the oh, recurs wow, at the time. 3-2, were you there, I presume? It was, yeah, and that was... At, Chopra. If we're talking weather... It snowed, snowed yeah. like really bad. Yeah. And um, I remember the drive home was basically, yeah, we were drifting around corners and roundabouts. It was pretty wild. But um, one of those rare moments, uh, you know, that that team, that era, Rory Fallon played that day for us. And um, that should give you some insight. Andy Drury, no, I didn't. think. No, he didn't. Did he not? No, he joined earlier on. He was, sure? he was a keen, Rory Fallon was a keen signing. I, well, I thought this was a keen win, wasn't it? Maybe no, not. February 2012, that's dual. Is it? Well, I yeah. definitely saw Rory Fallon play for Ipswich at the Rico then. But yeah, this one made, you know, still a, a shit here, I'm going to swear. But made up for it for the last minute. Winner, which was great. So yeah, a great header from Chopra. Really good header. And the last time we beat them at Portman Road was the same season. We actually doubled them that season. It was for, uh, September 2011. I think this was on Sky. And I think was. there was a, a bit of epic bants about rock, paper, scissors to take a free kick between a few of the players. It was a 3-0 win. Martin Craney own goal. Keith Andrews and Jason Scotland with the goals. And I'm sure there was that rock, paper, scissors thing, which kind of went a bit funny because Jimmy Bullard was such a character that went on social media a little bit. Not a fan, Speaking of the, of the lineups, as you just were, I'm going to throw one of my lineup quizzes to you, but I'll give you the choice of the three games. So you've got the 1-0 defeat March 2020, the 3-2 win at the Rico in February 2012, or the 3-0 Portman Road game in the September 2011. Which one do you want for your, uh, for your lineup quiz? Oh, 
I'd suggest maybe don't go for 2012, seeing as you thought Rory Fallon was still playing and Roy Keane was still in the dugout. Yeah, I'm still going to look that up later on. I'm, I'm. I've, li- I've literally got it here, so I can put it right. Fair enough. I mean, the 2020 team is is too recent to be challenging. Yeah, but I'm still probably going to put that team out of my mind anyway. Let's go for the three nil because okay. I've already got two of them for free, haven't I? Three of them actually, haven't I? Three of Bullard, them. Bullard, yeah, Andrews, Scotland. It's a four four two. So yeah, you've got Bullard, Andrews, and Jason Scotland. So. Was Martin Fulop in goal? No. Ex-Coventry as well. Uh, who was the keeper then? Oh, man, this is going to be really tough. It was a loney. We had loanies left, right and centre at that time for our goalkeeping position before Stockdale. we signed Scott Loach. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep. Stockdale was the keeper. Back four, right back playing Smith. out of position. Is Tommy Smith in there? Uh, nope. Oh, man, this is going to be really difficult. And, and because we're not live, I haven't got any help from the chat. And what no. will happen, what will be happening is people will be driving to Portman Road or walking down listening and they'll go, Rich is a bloody really idiot. Rich, you're a Coventry fan. You've forgotten Eva Ingham Arson. I and should have given you the Coventry Ibra- lineup. You'd have got that straight away, wouldn't you? Ibrahima Sonko. There you go. Yep. There you go. That's two. Uh, or Chopra in the team. Yep. So you've got both the forwards, Scotland and Chopra. You've got the keeper, Stockdale. Ryan you've Stevenson, got... Andy Drury. I'm trying to remember players from that no, era. No, neither. I'm going to need some clues, I think. Right back was a player out of position that Mick kind of moved Carlos. up the pitch as soon as he took over. Yeah, he was the right back. Roberto left Carlos. Back, uh, sorry, left back, you'll you'll know. Cresswell. Decent player. Well, yeah, Cresswell. The centre-back alongside Sonko, you might not get it, it was a low knee on loan from, I think it was Stoke at the time. Oh, uh, oh Danny something, no. Yeah. Danny, you're on the right track. Oh, I, I really love oh, <laughs> that thumbs up feature's not working for me right now, is it? I'll, it'll come to me later on. I, I know I quite liked him actually. Danny he, Collins. Danny Collins. He didn't want to sign for us, did he? Though. No, I don't think he was. This is the kind of Barnsley away era, isn't it? The the game that we were talking about the other week, the five three, was it? I think that's the following year. I think that's is it the following year, okay. November twenty. Oh no, no, it might have been that year. Might, yeah, it might have been twenty eleven. I can't remember. It was a load of drops that year. So you've got. Two more central midfielders. I think we played four central midfielders. I think we were playing a diamond at the time. Oh, we were playing a diamond. And then I and think they were we all got combined beat. age of like 107. We got beat pretty convincingly the next game because someone figured it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, the bloody jewel. Um, I'm going to need some clues. Uh, you've got Lee Boyer was I think, oh, okay. on the, the left-hand side of the of the diamond. And Leadbitter, I think, sat at the base oh, of it. Oh, wow. Blimey. Um, so. Aren't we spoiled in the modern era after <laughs> hearing about the turgid situation there? Uh, thank you, Seb, for embarrassing me there. And apologies to everyone who was who knew the answer. I've I've moved not, you know, crap eras out of my brain to make space for other stuff. I'm getting old. I do have memories of good games against Coventry, though. Um, the 2000-2001 season definitely um, jumps out because we doubled them. I remember a 90th minute on Sky winner for Fabian Vilnius. Who, Royce um, across. It was a diving header, wasn't it? Pretty yeah, good goal. Yeah, Royce actually. pushed the cross in. Lovely cross, if I remember rightly. And there was a, um, I remember Jermaine, it was m- m- main game on match of the day, Jermaine Wright at Portman Road, long ranger that kind of took a deflection, went in and Bellamy was, was playing, I think, for them. Was that the game we officially secured safety and it was like in February or something? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. No, I think, I think it was a bit after that. I think it was okay. March, April, because I think this is the game that may basically made Coventry um, almost relegated. I think they got relegated that season, didn't they, under Strachan? Right, okay. So I think that game kind of put them on the brink. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember who scored the other goal in that game. It might have been someone like Matt Holland sliding in or something. But yeah, and also I was going to mention the 3-2 in the snow, but you beat me to it, so that's fine. Any particular memories for you? 
Coventry. Well, we tripled them that season, didn't we? We played him in the cup as well. Titus did. Bramble scored, and obviously, God bless him, David Johnson scored his ah, last goal yes. for us. It was a, a lovely ball played forward from Stewart in the centre circle. He kind of volleys it forward. Johnson chests it down, closes in on goal, and fires it between Chris Kirkland's legs. So nice to get a, a triple over Coventry that season, and nice for Jono to sign off with, a, with, with his last goal for the club. And you can remember it in vivid detail as well. It was this week, actually, because I saw somebody tweeted it. Was it you tweeted it with your goals thing? Uh, I have posted the goal, I think, but I don't think I tweeted it this week, no. Okay, I think I saw it on X somewhere this week, so it must have been this time of year. Yeah, and I I think I'm trying to remember other links to Coventry. Richard Wright, I think, made his debut. I'm sure Craig is shouting that Steve Whitten played for Coventry, didn't he? One of the famous ones also is Pablo, isn't it? The the 3-2 under Roy Keane. Pablo in the 97th minute. You know, they equalised. I was there for that. Yeah, blimey. Richard Wood, whatever it was, and then suddenly Pablo goes down the other end and gets the the winner in the 97th or whatever it was. Yep. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good stuff. Well, let's bring things up right up to date then. Uh, we've mentioned these high-profile signings. Should we, should we start with the departures first? Yep. Departures and then who's come in because... There's some big, big money coming, haven't they, Seb, in the summer? Yeah, very much so. Vic, Victor Jokerez is the main guy, isn't he? He got 21 goals, 10 assists last season. He's also started very well for Sporting Lisbon. They signed him for 20 million quid in the summer. He's got seven goals and four assists in his first 10 league appearances so far this season over there. So he's a hell of a loss. Obviously, they got very, very good money for him. I think he was linked with a couple of Premier League sides. I think West Ham and Everton were kind of linked with him tentatively, but he made the move back to Portugal where they signed him from, and he's really hit the ground running there. Gustavo Heimer is the other one, 17 million quid to Sheffield United. Again, last season, he was key. Nine goals and 10 assists in the middle of the park, kind of really providing that that energy and that spark in central midfield for them. So, you know, they have got a lot of money, 37 million quid for the two. 
but you know to lose 20 assists and uh maths 30 odd goals is very much like us in 2005 where bent miller coochie all depart and suddenly you're thinking right we've got we've got a bit to spend here but how are we going to kind of fill this hole they lost a bit of experience as well michael rose center back went on a free to stoke tyler walker went on a free to lincoln and martin waghorn was still there for a, a couple of years after derby's relegation he left on a free and eventually got signed back up by derby so he was there last year and he's moved on as well but Jokerez and hamer are the two the two big departures which has provided them the cash to go out on this spending spree and kind of bring in some of the players who will now kind of discuss so you've got Hadji wright was the the big money signing kind of the the, the, the headline one 7.7 million quid from atlanta sport he's a full usa international spells in the mls the bundesliga before the turkish super league he's hit the ground running recently he's got five goals for the season in 18 appearances but three in the last four games he's strong he's good in the air he's got a good leap on him he's kind of been shifted slightly out to the left in a in an attacking position in the in the recent formation change um but he's kind of one that we're looking to to fill that jokerez shaped hole Ellis Sims, a name we all know, obviously, from the summer. We were heavily linked with him. There were pictures in the Telegram group of him at a service station somewhere in the UK, and the detectives amongst us were trying to Corley. work out if that was a, a southbound one or a north. Did we ever find out which one it was? I thought it was Corley, which is just outside Coventry. Oh, okay, right. Fair enough. Going west the, to east. I think the hope was, yeah, he was travelling down from Liverpool, wasn't he, to have a medical or whatever. He signed for them for 3.5 million quid up front, rising to a potential kind of £7 million. Hasn't really worked for him so far. Two goals in 18 appearances. He's become a, a bit of a bench option recently. <clears throat> Liam Kitchen, centre-back, has arrived on uh, from, from Barnsley. Only six starts so far this season. They signed him for, for four million quid. Uh, I'll let you pronounce the next one. Uh, Milan van Uyck. Thank you. He's a very, very pacey right back. Uh, 3.75 million quid from Herovin. 14 appearances. He's kind of slotted in quite nicely down that right-hand side. I think it was him that got the assist for Plymouth uh, against Plymouth with the, with the ball out of play. He got the, the pullback to find right in the penalty spot on Tuesday night. Bobby Thomas, centre-back. 2 million quid from Burnley. Made 16 appearances. So again, he's slotted in quite nicely. I'll let you pronounce the next one again. Hiro Sakamoto. Thank you. Like him. Ooh. Two million quid, yeah. Two million quid right winger slash right forward. Uh, a couple of million quid from the from uh, Oostend in the Belgian uh, National League, that is, isn't it? And then Brad Collins has arrived, 500 grand from Barnsley, kind of signed as the backup keeper, but he's recently come into the side. So, yeah, when you add all that up, you know, 7.7 million for Hadji Wright, 3.5 for Sims, rising to seven, 4 million for Kitching, uh, the Dutch right back I can't pronounce, 3.75. They've gone out and spent some some real real money, you know, fair play. They've, they've gone out and, and reinvested the money they got for those two star players. And I guess now having had a bit of a betting in period that we're looking for those guys to really step up and fire them at the table yeah you were right to mention the kind of paul cook to demolition man situation there you know on, on paper big pedigree players there but you can't just all chuck them in at the same time and similarly when you take out yokerez and harmer who essentially were a bit of a convalent bond to to use a harry from bath yeah not only do you take their individual contributions out but you take them out as a partnership that has created chances both for themselves and each other um but others in the team as well so big gaping hole there and you know you can bring in as much quality as you want it's it's, it's a tactic that worked last season to get them into fifth but it's you need to reset and all of those players you know not all of them came in straight away um as well so that that time to bed in that you keep talking about is important. Um, I like Liam Kitching. I, th yeah. I thought we would go for him when uh, just in advance of, and uh, maybe we maybe we were for him before we went for Tuenzebi. 
Um, but he's, I think, has a bit been a bit of a slow burn signing, but started to to form a pretty good partnership uh, with Bobby Thomas at the back and Brad Collins as well. I think the three of those are kind of creating quite a, a solid situation there as part of the transition. Said from a, a three at the back to most recently a four at the back as well. Uh, talk to us about this kind of style of play and um, the system that Robbins has been. He's trying to evolve it, isn't he? Because it hasn't been working as a three. Yeah, so they, they it was a three four one two used for the kind of most occasions this season, thirteen times in total. But after four defeats on the bounce in October slash early November, they shifted it to a back four. It's kind of either a four three three or a four two three one, which is basically the same thing, isn't it? You just advance the central midfielder slightly slightly more forward. They've kind of shifted Hadji right out. He's gone out to the left-hand side, kind of cutting inside. Uh, uh, so he's still chipping in with the goals. And and, and Matt Godden goes through the middle um, as kind of the focal point. So there's been a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a change of formation. The keeper uh, has dropped out as well. Brad Collins has come in and won. He's kind of started the last three games, not conceded a goal yet. They've kept three clean sheets on the bounce with the, I think they drew nil-nil with Stoke and then the wins over Millwall and the win over Plymouth. So they, 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 they've done decent to kind of tighten things up at the back because that run of four defeats was, was, was probably when we were really discussing the pressure that would have been building on Robbins. Mm. Yeah, and in, I mean, in terms of the style of play, we both had, had a look into this and tried to figure out the strategy, but it's, it is, there isn't anything obvious. They're not a long ball team. The, the possession actually was much lower last season. They mm. got into the playoffs with 46% possession overall on average, which was this was 16th for, for possession in the, in league and in, in the championship. Sorry. So I think in terms of style of play, it's a, it's going to be a combination, you know, in terms of the types of long passes and short passes, they're not too dissimilar to us. But I think Seb, the difference is the is the attacking phase, isn't it, and getting chances away, perhaps. Yeah, so they're they're similar in terms of their amount of passes per sequence and getting the ball forward. We get the ball forward slightly quicker. The big difference is that we get off way more shots at the end of our moves. We've had, we've had fifty more shots than they have across the season so far. You know, it's 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 we know how clinical we can be. We saw that the other night. They kind of will look to get the ball forward as quickly with similar kind of passing numbers. However, much much more often we end up getting a proper shot on target. They're a bit of a counter attacking side so far this season as well. I noticed in the in the highlights against Peter against Peterborough against Plymouth they had three quick counter-attacks all of which ended in shots so that's something maybe to watch out for on the uh, uh, on the weekend as well yeah i mean goals are not coventry games are not golf goal fests are they you know plus two goal difference overall you mentioned the clean sheet six um in total for the season which is pretty high actually joint fifth in the in the table and yeah 23 goals for overall this season is 16th highest in the league and but 21 goals against is pretty good, fifth highest. Um, so, yeah, maybe a little bit miserly in both boxes, perhaps in terms of entertainment value. And crosses there pretty is, is a threat as well, which again makes them very similar to us. We know the threat that Leaf Davis has. Um, it seems like Coventry, you know, pursue that threat as well. Yeah, and I think it's very much like us. They will look to get to the byline and pull the ball back for kind of the higher XG opportunities. 21 crosses per game is the second highest uh, with an average of five of them being accurate, which is kind of joint fourth along with us. So yeah, very, very similar in terms of patterns of play and how they kind of how they kind of set up for games. We're just much more clinically getting shots off at the end of our moves than they are. And goals from set pieces as well. Yes, five goals from set pieces away from home is the second highest. So a bit of physicality in there. Obviously, we've had this horrible habit of conceding from from set pieces recently. The West Brom, the Rotherham equaliser, you know, it's things that have, have happened recently. Hopefully, we can tighten that back up again because they will be a threat from, from those set pieces. So in terms of the difference between the two teams, we kind of thought maybe they're a little bit more stingy at the back, um, perhaps. 
Um, but it just maybe you know all the attacking pedigree that they brought in those players starting to get familiar and maybe figuring stuff out. But at the moment, the creativity just isn't there. A man for man, you're not seeing a Chaplin type player or a Broadhead yeah. type player or, or Derek, you know, Davis, you know, even Hurst. If you compare Hurst to Hadji Wright, I mean, Hadji Wright's got some good goal contributions in there, goals and assists. In fact, Gordon and Hadji Wright contribute 50% of Coventry, all of Coventry's goals and assists. And that's very different to us where our leading scorers our broad head and chaplain, I believe. Um, but Hadji Wright, I think, is frustrated. Got 0.75 xG per game, and, mi- and is is the the biggest defender for big chance mists in the whole of the division. So I think that's the issue uh, when you're creating the chances, but they're not necessarily being put away. You're going to struggle to win matches, aren't there? On you, um, Gordon's contributing as well, but the goals don't seem to be spread around the team, perhaps, and and maybe that's a factor. Anyone else? Yeah, there's, there's, their central midfield can kind of be described as industrious and, you know, heavy work ethic and uh, work ethic and tenacious. You've got Ben Sheaf, Josh Eccles, and they had a, a guy called Jamie Allen who was kind of playing the more advanced role against um, uh, against Plymouth the other night. But none of those are really kind of creative players. They're all ones that will snap into tackles and, you know, look to win second balls and really get involved. But there's a real lack of creativity in that in that central midfield uh, that central midfield area. Ben Sheaf's the one who kind of will get involved the most. Averages 82 touches per game and four tackles per game. <clears throat> For a comparison, Morsey averages 75 touches per game and three tackles per game. So expect maybe a coming together from those two. But yeah, that central midfield area, they've got Callum O'Hare, who's working his way back from an ACL. He suffered that on Boxing Day last year. He's working his way back and I guess the logic is that maybe he can maybe slot back in and provide a bit of creativity because you'd kind of describe it more as a Hyam Douglas Scoose midfield than you would a you know Morsey Broadhead Chaplin kind of kind of three. We haven't got a, a special sting or ident for you for this, and your kind of uh, your 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 stat rate is is maybe deteriorated because of West Brom, albeit that scarlet shot looked like it should have gone in on against West Brom. That stat that West Brom tail away at the ends of halves didn't really, I mean, it might've been true, but it wasn't true against us. So you, there's a lot of pressure on you for this oh, week. A, oh, it's a thing now, is it? Right? Yeah, I'm ramping the pressure up on you. Come on. Oh, brilliant. Right. Seb's, I get like, Seb's I, I, nugget of the week or whatever you want to call it. Nugget's I get a couple right, right and you use it against me. Isn't that nice? No, I, you weren't wrong last week. It just, it was irrelevant, wasn't it? you got good news and irrelevant, relevant news, David. Uh, give us your stat of the week. This one is only the fact they're very much a second-half team. They've scored 15 goals in the second half of games, which is the fifth highest in the division, and seven of those have come after the 81st minute. So Ooh. if it's going okay at half in, in the first half, don't rest on your laurels because they can be very strong after the break. He's resting on his laurels. Uh, uh, extra, given we've got extra time, I've been able to do a lot more research. Their referee tomorrow is uh, on Saturday, or depending on when you listen to this, is a guy called Andrew Kitchen, um, who's... Um, First town game of the season. Um, a few insights to him. Only one red card so far in his 14 EFL matches across the divisions. Um, and uh, was the man in the middle, Seb, for Plymouth 6, Norwich 2, if you want to open from that. Um, and has refed, he's got a 100% record, at least for the seasons that I could find. Uh, refed our 3-2 win at Port Vale, where I thought he let a lot of stuff go. I remember Cameron Humphreys being kicked around and probably needed more protection. Um, and Fleetwood, um, again under McKenna, nil uh, the 2-0 away when Morsey and, Morsey and someone else, Jackson, that was it. Yeah, were you there for that one? 
I was at both of those, Port Vale away and Fleet yeah, away. There you go, loyal. That's why I've got so many membership points. <laughs> oh, don't brag. Um, at Brown SOA, if you want to complain about seven. If, he, if he's been refing us since, tw- if he's been in, referring since 21 22, why has it only taken 14 games? Well, no, f- 14 matches this season. Oh, when you said 14 EFL matches, I thought you meant 14 games in total. Only one red card in his 14 EFL matches this season. Season he didn't put the words. Rewind the tape. In the Rewind script. the tape. Rewind the tape. It's like when I called Hladky Bart mid- on the Millwall show. I watched that back. And I noticed that. I do want to correct you though. You should correct me. Just I'm get... icy. I don't bring it no, up. You and Mikey. I think Mikey went to it. Mikey went to do it and was too polite as well. Correct me because people, people rightly, we going. He said Bart there. He's a he's a muppet. Let's do some. <laughs> let's do some yes, plugs. He yes, he's lost he control is. of it. It's not even live. I haven't got even buttons to press and chaos is ensuing as always we're brought to you in partnership with the greyhound pub head there pre-match head there post-match christmas schedule all sorts um and keep your eyes peeled for plans for ahead of norwich and um, breakfasts and all kinds of great stuff as well fantastic work the greyhound do um we are really uh, grateful to be um partnering with them this season yet again uh, so head there on on saturday uh, merch store telegram the match day chat will kick off as usual two-week free trial all that jazz you know by now folks um head to blue monday itfc.co.uk where our all of our links for our shows is there as well flagship is back on sunday and i've forgotten who's on it already i think it's ben craig and joe uh, been a while since we've heard from craig so it'd be great to have him back in the in the fold and um uh, apologies again if you were hoping to see us live probably best that we didn't we, the host has been lousy this week it's been a long week for me um but we'll be back in the you're emotional because the opposition you, you yeah know, well, i'm just so conflicted. head versus heart etc you know yeah and you know when they start singing up play up sky blues on saturday when we sing together we'll never lose um i will be really conflicted there um but you know, I, you do what you have to do, Seb, you power through. But yeah, join us for the flagship show after the fact on Sunday and next week. Usual deal. Uh, we got we haven't got a midweek game, have we? No, we get a week off before the week craziness off. starts. Happy We've got days. a uh, yeah, so we'll be live next Thursday for Middlesbrough because I'm traveling up on the Friday for a night out in Newcastle. Mm. Um, and then normal service will resume after that with the, the build up to well, we've got Watford midweek and then we'll see the big one the following weekend at home to Norwich. Seb, sight beer, sometimes cider for anyone who sees him out in Newcastle ahead of Borough. Um, and do support our mates at wearthesport.com as well. Blue Monday, all on word for a 15% promo. Lots of iconic Ipswich moments. And I hear, Seb, that a David Johnson v. Walsall tribute is is maybe in the works. Maybe in the works. No no promises oh, brilliant. I'll, yeah, that'll be my choice. I'll get that. That'll be wicked. So let's talk about what McKenna is going to do. Um, a little bit of rotation midweek, one out of necessity, as we talked about against in the excellent Millwall post-match reaction in respect of the right-back. Um, other than that, Seb, what what would you be thinking about changing, if anything? I'd like, I, I don't think I'd change anything. If I could keep it all the same, I probably would. You know, the fact there's no midweek game next week helps. They get a full seven days off after this to prepare for Middlesbrough away. I guess the big questions will be, is Williams not serious enough to keep him out? If there's a risk, then then don't take it and leave him for Borough. And can Twan Zabi play two games in three days? I guess they're the only two kind of real, real burning questions. Apart from that, keep it all the same. You know, the players that that came in, Luongo, Twan Zabi, Clark, I thought they were all excellent last night. And if it was the same 11 at, at 2 p.m. on Saturday, I will be most happy. What would you do? Would you change anything through choice if those players could play again? If, if you know, if Williams is a slight doubt and Twan Zabi can do it again, would you keep it all the same? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, and to your point about Twenzebe playing two games in, in, is it three days? Wednesday, well, it's Thursday. Wednesday, oh, Wednesday. Money thumbs up thing. For those of you who are watching on podcast, <laughs> StreamYard have got this feature, and I don't think, I think it's just the host. As soon as I stick my thumb up, it creates a graphic for it, but it's just me that it does it for. And and we need to figure out what else it, it does, because I must be able to do all kinds of fun stuff. But I was, I was counting with my thumb, so I'll count with my thing, my little finger. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so three days fine. I thanks, he, thanks for double checking the math. Yeah, well, I have to. I, there was the one bit of the script I didn't double check for you. Right. I and Zabi was basically just he was cigar and slippers job. Yeah, pipe and slippers definitely. I, his heat, the Millwall heat map that Dan in the Telegram group posted. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Zabi hole in the Millwall heat map where and Zabi was just basically a brick wall. So I don't think he, he wasn't like he was running up and down the pitch, was he? So I'd hope he can feature, and I like that Burgess and Zabi back pairing and. So I'd keep it the same. If Williams is fit, bring him in, albeit I kind of feel sorry for Clark. I want Clark to go on a bit of a run of form, but I think, yeah, Williams is probably the better of the two at the moment, isn't he? So, yeah, I think other than that, it's nice and easy for McKenna, isn't it? And maybe hopefully see a little bit more of Scarlet, perhaps. Um, just needs a bit more game time, I think. And uh, uh, there was a really good debate. Again, I keep advocating for the Telegram group, but this is the kind of stuff that we talk about. The, the quadruple substitution was debated in Telegram. You guys didn't really talk about it on Wednesday night. The thought was that Scarlett might have benefited from playing around the kind of starters, as it were, to kind yeah. of get the familiarity. Do you, do you see some sense in that? Yeah, we discussed it. Me and Mikey discussed it. I okay. said I wasn't a fan of the quadruple happening okay, at the same yeah. time. You know, two and then maybe 10 minutes later, two more follow is how I would have probably liked it. But I can understand why, you know, you want to get players off. You want to get them rested before the weekend, before you another big game. So I can understand why it's done. But yeah, it would have been interesting, wouldn't it, if, if Chaplin and Broadhead or Chaplin and Burns stay on and Scarlet comes in. Would you have perhaps seen maybe, you know, a slight... Because there was a drop-off in the in the whole of the second half in reality. So perhaps if he'd had that kind of more solid players behind him without the whole of the front four getting up to speed at the same time, then potentially he could have benefited from that. But I'm starting to really like him. You know, I was, I was critical Ooh. of him away at Bristol. I was critical of how he was closing people down. And I think Joe pointed out in the Telegram group, you know, this is probably what he's been told to do. You know, he's following in instructions otherwise McKenna wouldn't be putting him on in this kind of situation so yeah I, I, I'm starting to really like him that that view of the the effort at West Brom we were behind the goal obviously there was a view taken from a West Brom fan in the stands that was ridiculously close I didn't realize yeah I didn't realize how close that was to going in and that would have made it quite interesting the last couple of minutes so yeah really pleased for him it's, it's not a loan that's really worked out yet because he played for Spurs in the Carabao Cup and that kind of killed him didn't it because it meant he mm. couldn't feature couldn't feature for us I assume he'll get the FA Cup third round depending on who it is if it's a, a relatively straightforward one but it'd be nice to see between then and then and now if he can just get you know a few a few minutes maybe the odd start that'd be that'd be beneficial to him i think yeah it would be good to score some second half goals because we obviously didn't do that on wednesday night as well so yeah um in a good place um and let's let's convert all of our research all of our hard work seb's hard work into some predictions Not another another kind of dowdy week, crappy week in the prediction, Seb. Congratulations to Elliot in the Telegram group, who's won two on a bounce now um, and one by three clear points. Seb, you outscored me. I guess what we need to learn from our kind of commentary of the predictions is I it, I kind of thought I had a feeling about Rotherham Leeds. I had a feeling. Woo-hoo. Um, and we both had a feeling about Ipswich West Brom and neither of us 
backed ourselves. Have you changed yeah. anything as a consequence of your gut instincts, Seb, or have you I, gone safe? No, nope. oh, I've gone, I've gone safe. Yeah, that I, I would never. I, yeah, I, sometimes I might predict us to lose, but I was never going to do it because I figured you would have done last week. That's why I changed my mind. I didn't call the Rotherham Leeds result at all. That was totally on you. You know, you said there's a chance, and I kind of laughed it off and said you were a fool. I said managerless Rotherham getting something against Leeds, not a chance, three nil. And as we know, it played out as a one-all draw. So yeah, you got that one spot. Maybe, maybe I should go with my gut more. Maybe than maybe I should spend a bit more time doing it i'll be honest i'd spend about three hours a week doing the research and probably 47 seconds doing the predictions i just look at the bbc schedule and go all right that 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 that, that, that done next maybe we should spend a bit of time behind it maybe it's almost like if you, if you half ask something for 18 months you turn them to be very good at it well there's a there's a lesson in life for everyone <laughs> uh, you get what you put into things folks you get what you give let's have a look at the schedule then for those watching on youtube and we'll kind of call out a few key games for those listening on podcast a second rung there seb inform west brom versus stuttering leicester dare we say uh, yeah, well, yeah, but the, it, lo it looks like the win they had at the weekend. Forgive me, I cannot remember who it was against now. Uh, Watford. It looked like that win against Watford was kind of the uh, the anomaly. They've gone back to being being a bit rubbish, haven't they? And obviously, we know how hard it is to go to the Hawthorns. <laughs> West Brom on a great a great. <laughs> Did run you say Leicester are a bit rubbish? You are. Did you used to just say Leicester are a bit rubbish? Oh, I don't think I said they were a bit rubbish. They just they're, they're in a bit of a rubbish vein we of form, the aren't they? Weeks. Bit of a bit of a rubbish vein of uh, run of form. So yeah, West Brom is a really difficult place to go to. It's the lunchtime kickoff as well. I think it's the twelve thirty kickoff, isn't it? So we've both gone for for tight West Brom victories. Telegram is it? Is it Elliot again? Elliot, yep. <clears throat> Elliot's gone for a one-all draw. So I mean, if that's the case and we win, then happy days. Well, we are from top of the league by uh, by five. <laughs> We're predicting it's just top of the league. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rooney uh, needs a win, and whether <laughs> at home, yeah. I guess, is a is a good fixture to get uh, is to go it's for. Give me, I mean, Christ, if he can't win that, he's in serious, serious trouble, isn't he? I haven't got a feeling about Rotherham in that game, frankly. Um, well, they're away; they're, they're so bad away from home, yeah. aren't they? Uh, Hull Watford is an interesting game on paper. I think we're all predicting a few goals in that one. Leeds Boriseb. Whoa, are we manifesting there rather than predicting what we think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, potentially my, my head does kind of say that Leeds, you know, I'd be surprised if they had um, in the space of a week, you know, draw at Rotherham win. If they took up five points from a, from a week, I'd be surprised. So I think they probably will win. I'm living more in hope that Middlesbrough might do us a bit of a favour there and, and, and get something from that one. Yeah, Elliot is the common sense predicting the Leeds win. Yeah. For those listening, uh, Seb and I are going for, going for draws, score draws they are. Um, but yeah, Borough... On the road, Bristol City last time out, um, at least last weekend, I think, came unstuck. So, yeah, Leeds probably the favourites in that one. Um, but you never know. Um, anything else there, Seb, that you want to mention? Uh, no, not really. I don't think so. I mean, Southampton, Cardiff, we've both gone for narrow Southampton victories to continue their their recent run of form. And then Norwich are on telly again. They were on Sky a couple of weeks ago, weren't they, against Blackburn? I guess they're on Sky again. Are they being a half-one kickoff on a No, I don't think they are. Sunday? Oh, why is it on a Sunday then, a half-one? I've not. I've got the Sky Sports Championship fixtures thing, and there's no logo against the fixture, which suggests oh, weird. Okay, it must just be a, a random half one Sunday maybe game. Maybe or yeah, something, they... or Bristol Rovers are at home or something. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, maybe. So we've all gone for a one all draw in that one. So yeah, Norwich kind of picking up a point after they uh, they're messing it up on Tuesday night. That should, if they get a point there, that should just keep Wagner in in in, in post for hopefully another another couple of weeks. Hopefully so. Let's talk about the main one then. You you and I both predicting. We've already said it. We're all predicting Ipswich to go uh, top of the league. We're both predicting a narrow one-goal victory. I'm going for a... I, I want a clean sheet. 
I I'd think love a clean sheet, yeah. But... Burgess and Twenzebe, then I think that will happen. And I don't think Coventry score enough goals. Um, but, you know, we've talked about uh, maybe a little bit of a run for them. You're going for a 2-1. Do you want to talk to us about your logic on that one? Yeah, I think we're back on form, obviously, so I can see us scoring a couple, but they have started scoring goals recently. You know, Hadji Wright has three in his last four games. They've scored four in their last two, so they are starting to pick up goal-scoring form away from home. We discussed it at the start of the pod. Was it 13 goals on the road so far this season in their eight or nine games played? So they do average goals. That, that was my, my logic behind it. I, I, like you, would love a clean sheet. Um, we need to get back to that kind of being hard to, to score against, being hard to get shots off against, especially with Borough coming up next week and then Watford, Norwich, Leeds, etc. It'd be nice to kind of get one before going into those games, but I just think Coventry will score given the the players are starting to bed in and the fact they have started scoring recently. Okay. Oh, Elliot's gone for a 3-1, so he's even more confident and he's the form predictor right now. So if you're going to back anyone, I guess you'd back Elliot, but we'll be back next week um, to see how everyone got on. Thank you, everyone, who's made it this far. If you're listening on um, podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate everyone. If you want to give us a thumbs up, um, we'd even appreciate that even more. It is the season of goodwill to all men. Um, so Seb and I would appreciate um, that very much and a, a five-star review on your podcast app of choice. Um, do tweet us if um, you've, we are in your top five on Spotify. A few people have done that. It's nice to be liked. So uh, we, if you want to give us a bit of an ego boost about that, then um, we'd appreciate that as well. But the key things, head to bluemondayitc.co.uk for the info you need. Flagship show back on Sunday, as we said, 8 p.m. live. And we'll be back at the usual time next week. And Seb, thank you as always for all of your hard work um, and research. And I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure because we usually we're kind of I'm clicking um, the live chat, but I don't have to do that. So we can take this at a leisurely pace. Is there anything that I've forgotten to say or need to say before we go? Or I, oh, we, we lost to West Brom. Do I now? Does the the final word for the show come back to me? Yeah, it's you. Yeah, it's all you. right. Well, so you can say goodbye to folk and forget. You can add in anything I've forgotten. No, thank you to everyone for, for listening and watching. Apologies, it wasn't live. We'll resume, resume to normal service normal service next week. Wrap up warm at the weekend. And uh, yeah, I'll pass it back to you to give us a, an inspiring Churchillian sign-out. Are you going to... So if you want um, some requests for background, I, I, th I think I might go for some Christmas lights, Seb. Are you going to change your background for anything Christmassy that people can look out for next week if they're watching live on YouTube? I have a, you have it as well, because I've picked one up for you. Oh, yeah. I have a epic Christmas countdown, which is the, I'll get it out for next week and put it on the shelf here where oh, I still can't do it five years on, where the um, uh, where the Blue Monday hat is. I have a Hans Gruber falling out of the Nakatomi building Christmas countdown. So you slide it down from Die Hard. You slide it down each day, uh, the closer it gets towards Christmas. So I'll put that on the shelf up there and the viewers can, can enjoy it the closer we get to Christmas. It is an epic decoration. You know, I have to give you credit. You found it. Send me the WhatsApp link a couple of months ago. I bought it, completely forgot about it, and it turned up kind of six weeks later. And I bought one back for you, and they are they are brilliant, aren't they? Have you set yours up yet? No, I'd, I'd do that. Um, well, when this goes out, it will be constructed. It will be in in use, and yeah, maybe some stuff will have feature in the backgrounds as well. But yeah, thank you everyone as always for watching. Enjoy the game. Head to the Greyhound if you if you are um, in the vicinity. If not, join us on the match day chat and Telegram. And to clarify, when I say "come on, you Blues," I mean. Ipswich Town Blues, not Sky Blues. So just just in advance of me doing this. So here we go. You ready? Come on, you blues.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.